Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verse 2 through 4, and verse 9 through 15. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1 through 16. The Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verse 24 through 35, and Psalm 78, verse 23 through 29. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So when I was 16, uh, I I had grown up in, in Southern California, and when I was 16, I moved from Southern California to New Hampshire which is uh, what all teenagers dream of, really. (laughs) Who wants to be in the middle of, like, you know, the most happening cultural place in the world when you could go live near a tree? It's great. Um, But I did. I moved. uh, uh, When I was 13, my parents split up, and my... Half my family was in California, and the other half was in New England. My, my father was in New Hampshire, and a brother of mine was in Boston. And uh, when I was 16, I ended up making the decision to move back there and live there, finish out high school there. I ended up living in, in New England, uh, in various parts of New England for a few years. But I, I, I was there, you know, everybody in, in New Hampshire, of course, to them, I was the Californian, right? But I remember one year, I'd been, in, I'd, been in, uh, I'd been living in New Hampshire for a few years. I came back to California for a visit. And I remember I was at some retail shop and I was speaking with the uh, sales associate while I was looking around and they, they, as we were talking, they asked me, so where are you from? I said, well, I'm very much from here. And they said, really? I said, well, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm visiting right now. I'm, I'm, I live in uh, New Hampshire. I've lived there for a little while. And they said, yeah, yeah, I could tell you weren't from here. You, you don't talk like someone from here. And I was devastated. I was horrified. First of all, I was worried, do I have a New England accent now? That would be wicked bad, right? Someone got that joke. One person. Good. Okay. It's a Boston thing. Okay. So, but I, but I was like, what, is, what does that mean, you know? And all of a sudden, like, my, my, my teenage identity crisis, as if that wasn't already an issue, was like on a red alert. Who am I now? Sure, I left California. But I'm still a Californian, right? Sure, I left where I'm from, and I have now made a new home in a new place, and I'm living a completely different life with new friends and a new culture and all sorts of newness around me. But I'm not, I'm not actually affected by that, am I? I'm still that same old person from California. Nothing's changed, right? Where are you from? Crushed me. All three of our readings today are about people who are being brought into a new way of life by God, and they don't like it. They like it. I mean, the Israelites are psyched to not be enslaved by Egyptians. On principle, that sounds great. On principle, do you want to be freed from slavery? And given your own land, of course we do. In reality, cool, you're wandering the wilderness for a while and you don't know where your next place you'll sleep is and you don't know what your next meal will be. The deep, profound level of uncertainty 
the Israelites must have felt. And we hear it today. Hey, at least when we were slaves in Egypt, we got food. Did you bring us out here to die? It feels we can get like a little, we have a, you know, anytime someone grumbles with God in the Bible, we're like, what's their problem? As if we wouldn't. Not if I was in Israel, I'd be like, this totally makes sense. Don't work, right? That's how we sort of act. But we can totally get, we get their concern. They've been brought out of certainty, even if it's certain doom, even if it's certain servitude and enslavement and oppression. They've been freed from it, but now they're thrust into the uncertainty of a wilderness where they are dependent upon God. They have to give themselves fully into the trust of their God, and that is scary. Where is the food? The fact, by the way, that God has to make quail miraculously show up everywhere they go and then make some magic heaven bread show up on the ground proves that their fear was not unfounded. Nevertheless, they are being called into a new way of life with God. And it's beautiful, and it's changing them, and that's scary. The people who listen to Jesus speak They are accustomed to those who speak with divine authority being able to show what they call signs, miracles. And of course, Jesus does that. He feeds, as we know, many thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. And so many of the stories we hear about Jesus are of Jesus healing people. Physically, so we know he can do it. But today, he says, I know you like the miracles, but you need to go deeper. And they say, well, we just want the bread. Like the, like, you mean like magic, like not just what you're doing, but like bread from heaven, like, like, like in Moses' day? Another miracle, another sign. And Jesus, typically modest, says, no, I'm the miracle, guys. Right? Jesus is allowed to get away with that because he is. We heard Joyce preach a couple weeks ago. It's still ringing in my ears that every moment of Jesus' life was miraculous, that Jesus' very presence and breath and existence in the world, God incarnate, the God of love, has become one with us and is walking this earth and living among us as love enfleshed. That is a miracle. And Jesus is saying, I don't need you just to be amazed by that. I can make a bunch of bread, or make someone who couldn't walk, walk. Yes, that's pretty cool, but I am inviting you into a total transformation of your life. I'm inviting you to see the miracle that is in front of you when love is lived out in real time. That sounds freaky. And the people don't like it. Save us in a way that we like. Transform our lives, but make them feel totally the same. Take us out of slavery, but make sure it's really comfortable how you do it. Jostle us awake from our our sleep sleep of, of, of not being attentive to what's going on in the world around us and in our own lives. Wake us up from that, but do it gently. And let us sleep in before you do it. And finally, from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, 
These folks, and Paul is so clear in all of his letters, but Ephesians is, is, is one that's so beautifully clear, that the, that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus has accomplished something powerful. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has accomplished the breaking down of barriers between all of humanity. That all of the different sorts of ways that we sort ourselves out to say that I am better than you and I'm this and you're that, that those are demolished because we all belong to one another in Jesus Christ. That humanity is being saved by God, the God who descended down to be among us, as Paul says, ascends and carries us with him. All that is and all that was is being reconciled to God, healed, and God's power and love is being revealed. And you are part of that, Paul says. And then the churches go, great, what does that look like? And it says, he says it looks like you building communities with people that aren't like you. And they said, is there a second option? Paul says, the way that we experience the resurrected life and the hope of God and grow up into maturity, into the full stature of Christ, is by right here and now building communities of love where we care for one another, where we seek to create spaces of justice and mercy, of honesty and transparency and accountability and grace, and we hold on to one another and we are transformed by each other. And that is scary. I can feel myself sounding more and more like the Israelites saying, you know, at least we had food back in Egypt. I knew what I was going to eat today and tomorrow and the day after that. I know we want to go back to normal. Not just with church and the masks, our whole lives. I know we want that. There is no going back, friends. There is no pretending what's happened to us hasn't happened. It doesn't exist. Our lives and the things we've experienced are real. They've transformed us. Like 19-year-old Phil, they talk with an accent now. Our lives are just different. We are different than we were. And we are in a place, no matter how we look at it, we are in a place of uncertainty. We are in a place that brings up all sorts of fear. And not just sort of a simple fear like a fear of spiders or something like that, but like a deep existential dread fear of what's happening to us, to our people, to our country, to our churches, to our culture, to our faith. These are the things that are being brought up right now and put before us and we don't get to look away. The testimony we have before us today and the testimony of our faith is sure and certain and clear and consistent. We hear time and again, as we did today, you will be thrust into places of uncertainty, discomfort, fear, and change. And in all of those places, you will find God. You are not alone. We are not alone. 
We are not left to our own devices right now. In the times of great uncertainty and fear and change, God, the God of love, the God of all creation, the God who gathers all things up into heaven is with us right now. Sharing life with us and drawing us into deeper communion and connection with one another. And you know that. Even, even if you're not always sure about the God thing, and, and none of us are, not all the time. Every single one of us, amidst all of the transformations of the last year and a half, can point to a couple that however painful they were, we are glad we have been forced to see. Every single one of us. That's not a silver lining thing. That's not me saying, don't worry, let's list the good things that came out of the pandemic. That's not what I'm talking about. I am saying, even in this time of fear and uncertainty, even in the darkness, and even in the change that we didn't ask for, God is ever and always present, and wherever God is, love is. And wherever love is, there is transformation, there is reconciliation. We are being brought deeply into the heart of God. This is our life, our life together. We are being pushed, I might even say forced, by readings like today and like by the life that we are living right now, forced to take a look at all of our lives, to decide what we want them to be about, and then to cobble together with each other and with God what it looks like as we move forward. As Paul says in this same letter, we are rooted and grounded in love. Our foundation, that which anchors us and nourishes us like the bread from heaven, like Jesus himself, that is love. It is why we are. And we don't know fully what that love is doing to us. But as this love fills us and feeds us and transforms us and sends us into the world to serve all people with humility and compassion and faithfulness, we are becoming more and more the children of God. We are becoming more and more the, the beloved community. And we are doing that with God. And we are living that together.